Thank you so much. How you all doing? Are you well? It is great to be with you this morning. And wasn't worship awesome? I just, just loved it when we went into that bridge and we just all our voices lift and declare that Jesus is the King of Kings. So this morning, I have a real privilege of being able to carry on this theme of portraits. And I have found this topic fascinating. I have loved listening to all the speaks, the talks that we've had. And um, a few weeks ago, we had Janika speak, didn't we, from talking about her Indian foundation and all that she's doing in India. And there's one thing in there that just captured me. And it was when she said that how Christianity and Jesus was just seen for the poorest of the poor. There was no relevance for Jesus in high realms of society. And I remember thinking, thank God that the savior of the world can be found in the lowest places. That Jesus... Jesus is for everyone. I love how in, I think it's Matthew 20, 28, Jesus, Jesus is talking, but it says that, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. The Savior of the world serves others. And Matt White, a couple of weeks back, was challenging, wasn't he, when he was speaking about gratitude and what does it look like to be a people of gratitude and thankfulness and I love how in the Psalms, um, it says like the password, the password to his presence is a thank you. So that constant reminder for us daily and weekly and monthly, what can we be thankful for and what, we can give, what can we give thanks to God for? So we've had a really great theme of just all of these topics. But this morning, I would like to share with you a message around a really familiar piece of scripture that I hope will help you see the Father in a new light. Now, I was having a bit of a, a laugh with my wife and my kids last night because they were like, you always speak about the same thing. And the truth is, yeah, I guess I do. Like, I was looking at all these previous messages and, and they are slightly tweaked and different, but at the heart of it, I suppose, is, is the thing that I'm really interested in and I love talking about is the fact that God is a good dad and a dad that loves his kids. And this morning, I want to share a message about how um, the dad goes to extreme lengths to love, embrace, and cherish his kids. So, this morning, let me just start in prayer, and we will get into this. Father God, I want to thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. God, I thank you for every single person in this room, anyone watching online. God, I thank you that you are a dad that chases after his kids, a dad who loves and embraces us. And God, wherever we're at today, as we've prayed earlier, may you draw close. We thank you that you are here with us, fully present, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. So the last two times I have spoken, I have spoken on one particular piece of scripture, and that's Exodus 34. And the context of that is Moses is having this, this talk with God, and he's like, God, I've got all of these people that I'm leading, but who do I tell them that you are? And God replies beautifully. He says, Moses... Tell the people, I am compassionate, I am gracious, I am slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. Now, in the first talk that I gave, I spoke predominantly around compassion and how compassion is basically a deep care. It's, it's a proactive action where sympathy would align itself to a situation. Compassion says, no, I'm going to come alongside you and we're going to work this one out. To do nothing is non-negotiable. And then... A few months back, I spoke about grace and how grace is about 
God giving us what we don't deserve and how there is no strings attached to his grace. Um, this morning, I would like to look at another characteristic of the Father that whenever I read or think about, I'm, I'm just always blown away. I'm like the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is loyal with his love and his love extends to you and I. He is full of overflowing love with loyal love and faithfulness. So this morning, I want to look at what it is to be people um, that receive the Father's love. Now, a few months back, um, Nikki spoke on, on the prodigal son, and it was a great talk, but honestly, I spent most of the preach praying that Nikki didn't have the same revelations that I've been kind of having, thinking, and think that I wanted to share with you. And some of the stuff that I'm going to share in this message um, was really confirmed by our, our trip to Romania uh, last week, where a lot of the kids that we work with, they are, they are pursued by father figures, mother figures. And it just felt like, okay, God, I know what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about um, the prodigal son. Now, the thing with the prodigal son is um, we all know it, right? If I said to you, explain the prodigal son, I'm sure you could very easily say, well, it's about a dad. He had two kids. One kid goes AWOL. The other kid doesn't appreciate the, all that he has there for him. And ultimately, it's a story where dad runs after the son. Like, it's, that's it in a nutshell. But the thing is, when you break down the prodigal son and you realize the lengths that the dad had to go to to get his son, it takes it to a whole different level for me. In, it doesn't just become a, a parable that we read. It just, for me, shows who the Father is in a beautiful, beautiful way. The title of my message this morning is The Dad Who Ran. Now, the prodigal son is um, it's Luke 15. And Luke 15 kicks off with three incredible parables. And I think Jesus is making a really, really um, huge point here. It kicks off with the parable of the lost sheep. Then it talks about the parable of the lady that loses the lost coin. And then we come to the lost son. So in three different parables, Jesus is talking about loss. And I think he's trying to make a real point here. The conclusion to these parables is the joy and the relief that comes when lost things are found. When the farmer loses one of his sheep... He's got the 99, but he's consumed with the one. When the lady loses her coin, she, you know, she's got all of these other coins, but she finds the joy when she finds her one other coin. And then ultimately, when the dad gets to hold his son, there is the joy that comes with that. A few years, years ago, probably a couple of years into my marriage, I remember losing my wedding ring. And um, I know, shocking. Um, uh, and I'd lost it for about three or four months. And as the time rolled on, I didn't think about it so much. But there was always this lingering thing inside of me. It was like, I wish I knew where my ring was. And, you know, cleaning out the, the bedroom one day. And um, there it was. I found it at the back of my wardrobe. And I can't explain the, the huge relief, but actually the joy that came with finding something that I thought was lost. You see, we see in this chapter, Jesus is accused of welcoming and eating with sinners. And, you know, there was the Pharisees and there was the teachers of the law who viewed themselves as righteous and holy. And I think when Jesus was telling these stories, 
I think he was trying to make a real point here that Jesus finds delight in mixing with people that were perceived as sinners, the lowest of the low. And he was making a point to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that these people that you accuse of being you know, unholy, I've come for those people. And he is more than comfortable being in the presence with people that were considered to be the sinners of the time. And isn't that just cool? Like, what does that say to us? That however we are, Jesus loves us and would sit with us. So let's look at Luke 15, the story of the lost son. What I'm going to do, I'm going to read part of the scriptures that, of this story and break down just a few observations that I hope will give us a bit more of an understanding. So Luke 15, 11. Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So all of, all, straight away we see that a relationship has broken. And it would seem there is no place for restoration. It's, it's done. The, the kid wants out. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. I found distant country really interesting because the son wants to be as far away as possible from the dad. It's not that he wants to move just down the road. He wants Philly out. And amazingly, the father granted this request. He did so, and by not saying anything, he didn't break his relationship with his son. Now, as Jesus is telling this, there would be people going nuts about this because this is so unheard of in the culture that Jesus was speaking to because respect for the elders in society at that time was what it was all about. People listening to this parable would be outraged at the disrespect being shown to the dad. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine, and through that country, and he began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against you, and I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. It suggests to here, this piece suggests to us that the son came to his senses, but it doesn't mean that he was repentant. He just realized probably how lucky he had it back at home. He was hungry and he remembered that there was plenty of food in his father's village. He didn't say, I've disgraced my dad. He didn't say, um, I've brought shame on my dad. At this moment, he's still solely thinking about himself. And he devised a scheme. Verse 18, it says, in verse 18, it says, I'll say to him. And he thinks that this pre-planned script that he's got going on in his head may well do the trick. And this is when it starts to get cool. Verse 20, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Maybe as the son starts to see his dad run, his heart starts to melt. Father, I've sinned. I don't deserve you. 
like what happens when the kid sees his dad run because this is really significant that the dad runs. But the thing is, when the father embraces his son, dad still doesn't say a word. But then, after he's held his son, he was called into the servants, quick, bring clean sets of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandal on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We are going to feast. We are, have, we have, we're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they begin to have a wonderful time. Love and reconciliation without punishment. See, if I was to ask... If I was to ask you this morning, what does, what does God the Father think of you? I wonder how you would answer that this morning. Would you be sat there thinking, God shakes his head at you, kind of disappointed? Or, does he rejoice in the person that you are? Now, everything about this story would suggest to me that God is not there sat up in his throne room looking down at you and me, crossing his arms and shaking his head. If anything, he is a dad that rejoices and is desperate for a relationship with you and I. You see, Exodus 34 tells us the father is gracious, he is compassionate, but the lost son shows us practically that the father runs to the ones he loves. Now, the thing about the whole thing about the prodigal son and that particular piece of scripture is the dad ran. Now, for anyone listening to Jesus sharing this parable, they would have all came or come to the same conclusion. It would have been absolutely scandalous for dad to have run after his kids. It was considered, uh, you know, just one of those cultural taboos, like you didn't run. But the thing about the prodigal son is that when the dad ran, it was considered to be shameful, it was considered to be embarrassing, and it was considered to be humiliating. The father shames himself because he has to get to his son first. So why, why run? Like why not just see your son on the horizon and just meet him as he comes to you? When Jesus was sharing this parable, there would have been an understanding of this incredible ceremony that used to take place, this ceremony called Kazaza. And this in itself is a really interesting um, thing that took place in communities when someone left the village. The ceremony was performed uh, when someone left and went to live with the Gentiles. Maybe someone has lost the wealth. Um, and when the person decides to come back, they would have to go to the city gates and be welcomed in, and there would be this whole process of either restoration or rejection. And what would happen is the village leaders would come to the, um, the end of the village, and they would have a pot. And the pot was really significant, because a lot of the time what would happen is when a kid or whoever would come back, the pot would be thrown down, the pot would be smashed, and there would be absolutely no room for restoration, reconciliation. That was it. And the kid or whoever would be ostracized and would never, ever be allowed into the community again. 
It would separate him from his family, his community, his faith. That was it. No more. So, why does dad run? Well, dad has to run. Because if he's to beat the guys that have got the pot, that want to perform the ceremony, he has to get there first before his son is completely ostracized. And I always find that utterly amazing. The dad, he doesn't care about humiliating himself. He knows if he doesn't get his son, there will never be a chance for reconciliation. I love it. Why was his heart pounding that we read in Scripture? Because every day he scoured, thinking, if I see my son, I have to get there first. His heart's pounding. He's scanning the horizon every day. Probably because the village leaders doing exactly the same thing, him for this kid to be rejected. So dad's heart pounds because he has to get there first. He scans the horizon every day because he has to get there before the community. Dad had to win the race. And I would suggest today that the father's eyes are on the horizon for you and for I. And his heart pounds when we're on the horizon because he wants to get to us. He wants to embrace us and he wants to love us. I think all of us in this room, in one way or another, we are all prodigals. We fall short. The youngest son was an abuser of grace. But that did not stop the father scanning the horizon every single day. Ultimately, this, this beautiful parable is about a broken relationship being restored and the joy that comes when that restoration takes place. But the truth is, for some of us in this room, we may be dealing with the very heartbreaking issues of broken relationships and the pain that comes with that. But I take comfort and hope when I read the scripture and I see that dad is a loving dad waiting to embrace and hold you close and to give you a hug. A dad that doesn't want any explanations, any reasoning, any excuses. A dad that just wants to hold you. There's this picture um, that I just love. If I was rich enough, I would get this commissioned and have it in my house. It's this... Um, it's the prodigal son by a guy called Charlie McKeesian. If you can see it, like you, you can see the, the pain and the relief in the dad's face, and you can see the son just flopped into his dad's arms, submitted to his dad. And I think that's how God, you know, we come with our mess, we come with our baggage, but it's okay to just slump into dad's arms and know that it's okay that you're not going to get the grand inquisition, you're not going to get the reasons why you don't deserve his grace and love. All he will do and want to do is to hold you close. And the point is, nothing is unredeemable in the Father's eyes. I think um, during the pandemic, particularly, I I used to go for walks with um, a dear friend and I would just tell him how, I just don't know about this whole Father God thing. I just... You know, unanswered prayers, stuff, you know, life happening. You know, just wondering why am I believing all this stuff? And, you know, we all had 
you know, from people I've spoken to, like lockdown created a lot of stuff for a lot of us, didn't it? Like the restrictions, the stuff that we couldn't do. And I just remember it being such a, you know, at times really difficult to even, you know, want to be here on a Sunday because I just didn't know how I was connecting with God and, you know, who am I to <laughs> share a message when I don't know where I'm at. But there was a couple of verses that would come up during that time that I felt linked in with the prodigal son, but I think, again, just summarizes the Father's love for us and his beauty. And in Psalm 42, verse 4 and 5, it says, My heart is breaking because I remember how it used to be. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God, and I will praise him again. Sometimes things don't work out. We know that, right? We're a room where we've all got our own stories. But the prodigal son shows us that the God that we worship and we sing to every Sunday is prepared to chase after us and to hold us. It's not that sometimes by doing that everything will then be okay, but I think what we see time and time with Jesus is that Jesus always parachuted himself into the midst of it all. He wasn't a bystander. He wasn't, um, you know, watching, you know, from a distance. Jesus placed himself in the midst of it all so he can relate to it. That is the Jesus that we serve. Psalm 56 says this, You keep track of my sorrows. You collect my tears in your bottle and you've recorded each one in your book. He sees it. He sees it. And I find that I find hope that nothing that happens to us does not get seen by the Father. Yet still, there is this welcome and this invite to us to run into his arms and to feel his love and his embrace. We are a large room of people and there are people watching online and there is this that I want to share with you. Maybe there are some of you in this room who have never come home to the Father. Let me say to you, today is a good day to be held close. You may have drifted away from him. I know there have been times when I have fully drifted, sometimes almost without realizing it, but I know I have drifted. And today I say to you, Today is a good day to come home. This is a good one. You may be here, and I can relate to this one as well, (laughs) and only interested in what the Father can do for you instead of wanting a close relationship with him. I say to you today, today is a good day to embrace his hug. Nothing is unredeemable. Do you feel like you've messed up? that you're unworthy and unlovable. Man, let me tell you today, today is a good day to receive his grace, to receive the mercy that is extended to you and I, to feel his unmeasurable love. And like it says in verse 21 of the prodigal son, to feel his heart pounding as he holds you close because you were worth chasing after. Today, the Father scans the horizon 
and he runs after you and he runs after me. And you know what? You are valuable to him because you are you. You are valuable to him because you are you. So my friends, that is the prodigal son. A parable that we read so often and I know so often I have kind of just read it and moved on. But when we truly capture the essence and the heart of who the Father is, that he scans, that he runs, that he humiliates himself, all for that hug to hold you close and to restore and repair and revive. Man, that's a dad that I want to know more. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Father God, I want to thank you for this, this room of incredible people. People that you have a plan and a purpose for. And God, you know each one of our hearts. And God, wherever we're at today, I pray that we would feel the embrace of Dad. May we not feel shame, embarrassment. May we not feel that we've gone too far away from you. If anything, I pray right now that your spirit would fall upon us. Yeah, that we would feel that closeness and that hug. God, we love you. Thank you that you chase after each one of us. So may the Lord bless you, keep you close, and may his face shine upon you. And may you know his eternal love and embrace that is open to you. In Jesus' name, amen.